We're talking with Todd Nettleton this morning of Voice of the Martyrs and just so appreciate his updates every other week here at Moody Radio Quantities as we can consider and pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted for the cause of Christ. And good morning, Todd. Good morning. So I was uh, looking at uh, your, the very first thing I noticed is there's some really good news of an event that's coming up, the I Am In virtual event. What's that all about? Yeah, we're going to have this event Friday, March the 8th, the evening. It's 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, this is a chance. We've done a couple of these over the last couple of years. This is a chance for people to hear directly from Christians who have been persecuted, Christians who are working on the front lines. And this year we're focusing especially on Christians who are working in the midst of radical Islam. So mm -hmm. we have Heather Mercer, who was arrested and imprisoned by the Taliban in Afghanistan, actually before 9-11. We have Hassan Abdurrahim, who was arrested alongside my coworker Peter Yasik in Sudan. John Samara leads a team of pastors and church planters in Africa, North Africa and the Middle East. Uh, he has had some of his pastors kidnapped. He has had uh, people in his staff beaten. They have been uh, imprisoned. It's so He has really a front row seat to see how God is working in that part of the world. And then our worship is going to be led by Stephen Curtis Chapman. So it is going to be a fantastic evening. It's free. Uh, you can watch it at home with your family. You can gather your whole church together. We would encourage churches to host the event. Bring your whole congregation together and hear these amazing testimonies. Again, coming up Friday, March the 8th, uh, we've got a big banner ad at persecution.com. You can see and, and register there. Or if you want to go directly, I am in, like the letter in, event.com. And in, you'll remember, 10 years ago, ISIS rolled into the city mm -hmm. of Mosul, and they painted that letter, the Arabic letter in or noon uh, on the homes of Christians and said, hey, this is not Christian property anymore. This is now ISIS property. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where the I am in comes from. So, Todd, speak to us about what you've heard from people that have gone through these events and the impact that it's made in their lives. You know, I think it's such a blessing to hear firsthand from these brothers and sisters. Um, you can hear me tell their stories, and I and I think I do a good job of that. I hope I do a good job of that. But that's nothing in comparison to seeing them tell their story yes. and, and hearing it directly from them. And so I think that's really the power of, of these kind of events is, hey— in your living room or in your church sanctuary, wherever you have access to an internet connection and, and a video box, you can even watch it on your phone. Mm. You can hear directly from Heather Mercer. And, uh, you know, Heather has an amazing story of going to prison under the Taliban, going to Afghanistan when it was a completely closed country and finding ways to minister for Jesus, wow. even amid all the oppression and amid all of the restrictions and, and still seeing that the Afghan people were hungry for mm. God. They wanted to know Jesus. And so hearing those stories firsthand, I, I don't think you can walk out and say, oh, yeah, okay, that was nice. I think it really does change the way you think. Yes. It changes the way you pray. Uh, and it's really something you carry with you when mm. you go out of the room. And it can motivate us to get involved. You know, you do. Absolutely. You do. You do an absolute amazing job of, of sharing with us all of the things that are going on around the world. But what you said is true. When you hear it firsthand from the person that's experiencing it, um, it absolutely can motivate you uh, and touch your heart and say, okay, this is something th that pa I'm a passionate about. I got to get involved. How can I help? How can, what can I do personally today to help make a difference? 
Yeah, and that's what we want, is we want you to be equipped to pray. We want you to be equipped to do something and get involved and to be challenged, frankly. Uh, most of us have never been called on to sacrifice to walk with Jesus. It, it Most of us, it, it hasn't really cost us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so hearing these stories and really being forced to think about, okay, what would I sacrifice? If I was called to make a sacrifice, what would I be willing to give up? And as you see these brothers and sisters who have literally given up their freedom and were willing mm-hmm. to give up their lives, uh, you start to think, wow, uh, walking with Jesus is really worth everything. I, whatever I had to sacrifice, it would it would be a small sacrifice. It would be a small gift in light of what I gain from mm-hmm. walking with Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Thinking of one of those places in the world where persecution abounds and where the state has great control over its people, and that is Cuba. And you recently had a great opportunity to talk with a pastor there. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I had a great chance to sit down with a pastor from Cuba and just hear what God is doing. And, and, you know, one of my first questions is, hey, uh, Fidel Castro is dead. Raul Castro has has passed. The, the authority now is unto new leadership. Is it any better for Christians? Uh, and the pastor said, sadly, no. In fact, I think it's a little worse <laughs> than, than it was wow. in the last years of the Castro regime. The government of Cuba is determined to control the church. They're determined to keep the church from growing. Uh, They won't allow new church buildings to be built. They won't allow old ones to be repaired. They won't allow pastors to buy larger homes where they could have house churches. They want to close down the church. But what this pastor said, he said the, the pastors and the leaders in the church in Cuba have just decided, okay, well, we can't have a church building. We can't buy a bigger house fine, we'll just meet out in the streets. We'll meet out in the fields. We'll find a place to gather. And he showed pictures of a gathering just recently where 10,000 Cuban Christians came together literally out in a field. Uh, In fact, he said when they opened the event, they said, hey, if you need to go to the bathroom, the bathrooms are back there and and kind of pointed to a grove of trees that was (laughs) off in the distance. That's the bathrooms. um, Because We don't have access to a building. We don't have access to a stadium, but we are not going to give up meeting together. We're not going to give up encouraging each Mm. other. And Voice of the Martyrs was able to provide Bibles for the people who attended that event. So they also did a Bible distribution during that time. But here's here's the hard part of that story. So every pastor that was involved in that event, every pastor that promoted that event afterwards paid a price. Mm. They got to be interrogated. They got to be invited to the police station. They got threatened. Hey, don't do that again. Don't do that again. We Mm. won't let you do that. And so, but like this pastor said, he said, we we know there's going to be a price. We're willing to pay that price. And, And so the church in Cuba is advancing forward in spite of the fact that the government is completely determined to shut them down. You know, we've talked in, in other parts of the world that the threat of, of physical harm is very prevalent and, and takes place. Is that likely? Is that going on in Cuba or is that the just the next step when when Christians don't obey, you know, being told not to do this anymore? It, is it look like violence is the next? Is it happening now or is it prevalent? You know, one of the things that there is the threat of violence Uh, And one of the things they use against pastors is their own children. Um, And and so I had a conversation with a pastor from Cuba who said, well, you know, when he's in the police station, they would say, "Uh, isn't your daughter named such and such? 
Doesn't mm-hmm. she walk to school every day along this street? Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there like, yeah, that is her name. And yeah, that is the street she walks to school on. And so that kind of just planting the seed of, hey, we we know who your family is. We we can do any time we want. You know, your daughter could get in a car accident on the way to school tomorrow because we know the street that she walks to school yeah. on. Yeah. Um, that level of threat. The other thing that they do, and, and this one just as, as a dad, it kind of crushes me is like the pastor's child can be at the top of the class from kindergarten all the way to high school and not get a diploma at the end of that, because the, the teacher will say, well, your dad is not, he's not with the revolution. He he's not supporting the revolution. Your dad's a pastor. No, we're not going to give you a diploma. And so Mm -hmm. they cut off those opportunities. And I think, you know, as a dad, you watch your kid, be cut off from opportunity, be oh, cut wow. off from yeah. the things they deserve. Yes. And how hard would it be to say, yeah, I'm going to keep pastoring instead of saying, wow, Lord, this is too high a price to pay for my mm. children. Uh, let me pay a price. Don't make them pay a price. So they, they will find different pressure points and they will exercise them. Usually not. Now, there are some cases where somebody is beaten up or there is physical violence, but usually it's more of a a pressure campaign than an actual overt uh, physical attack. For now. You know what always surprises me, Todd, is that what is the gain for them for doing this? I think the same thing. It's like... What, what are you trying to, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. And really they're afraid of a loss of control. If a person is loyal to Jesus Christ and sets their life based on following Christ and pleasing Christ, then by definition, their first priority is not pleasing the party and pleasing the mm-hmm. government and doing what they're told. And mm-hmm. so I think they see that as a threat. The other thing is there is a mentality that Christianity is a, an American plot to undermine the government. It's a CIA plot to undermine the government. And so there is that sort of, Mm. oh, this is an outside force coming into our country. Um, But, you know, Jesus wasn't an American. He was was born in Bethlehem. And so that idea is false, but but it's, you can't talk them out of it. You can't talk them out of, wait a minute, you know, this is a, a a religion that has lasted in every country of the world around the world. It's not an American plot against you. No, it is. It's, you know, it's the CIA trying to undermine our government. And um, like I say, you can't talk Mm. them out of it. Wow. So how do we, how do we help Todd? How do we help this part of the world and other places? How do we just make a difference? One of the key things we can do is pray. In fact, I would say the key thing we can do is pray. And uh, as I think about, you know, those Cuban pastors who their children are paying a price or their children are being threatened, uh, pray for courage and strength and encouragement. Pray for protection, uh, especially over those children. Um, and just pray that that God's word will continue to go forward in Cuba. I, I so appreciate the boldness of our Cuban brothers and sisters mm-hmm. to say, yeah, yeah, we know this is illegal, but this is what God is calling us to do. We know we're going to get interrogated. We know we're going to pay a price, but this is what God is calling us to do. Uh, pray that that boldness will continue and pray that that God will encourage them. And I imagine persecution, any kind of suffering in this light provides some great trauma. I mean, it it mm-hmm. leads to some great trauma in people's lives and futures and the children in their life as well. And that's one need that you help fulfill now, Tad. So 
tell us uh, more and share with us about how you're providing trauma care. Yeah, I want to encourage people, go find VOM Radio, find it on our website, find it wherever you listen to podcasts, and listen to the last two weeks. We have talked to a man named Brother Philip. He is our field minister in Western Africa, and he is a trained Christian trauma care specialist, and uh, he is helping West African Christians, some of whom have faced just horrendous persecution, mm. uh, and that that trauma lives on in their heart. It, it really affects their life. It affects their relationship with Christ. And so being able to help them work through that in a biblical way uh, to come back to uh, healing and come back to wholeness is such a great ministry. And he has some incredible stories that he shares. But one of the things that he is doing is now training pastors and church leaders across mm -hmm. West Africa to have this tool in their toolbox as well. So when someone in their congregation goes through trauma, they are able to say, hey, I have some tools. I can help you work through this. And one of the things, uh, the field minister, his name is Brother Philip. One of the things he shared that, that I think I'll always remember, he said, when you go through trauma, if you don't deal with it, if you don't process it, it is always like it happened yesterday. Mm. You, you never get to the point where it was six months ago or a year ago or 10 years ago. Mm. It's always like it happened yesterday. It's so insightful. And so when you think about some of the persecution that our brothers and sisters have faced, uh, maybe a widow who has seen her husband killed right in front of her mm. or a woman who's been sexually assaulted, when it's always like that happened yesterday— how do you move on? How do you raise your kids? Mm. How do you pray? How do you have a relationship with God? He is helping to get through to the point where we can say, yeah, that did happen to me, but that was before, and now I'm moving forward. And so mm. I'm so thrilled that VOM is, is providing this help, providing this ministry. And like I say, I would just so encourage people to listen to those episodes because it will really equip you to pray more adequately, more, more fully for our brothers and sisters who go through these traumatic persecution experiences. Todd, it is always just amazing and insightful to talk with you. It is inspiring, sometimes a little scary. It's, it's heart-wrenching to hear it everything is. that's going on, but it encourages us. And, and thank you very, very much as once again, just spending a few minutes with us and letting us know what's going on around the world. You are definitely appreciated. Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate every opportunity we get to chat.